no one's going to care for your customer and care for your products as much as you are. And when you're starting up, usually you have more time than money. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honesty Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, we welcome to the show... This is probably going to be the best podcast start we put out so far. Uh, and we'll get into that in a minute. But Nick Flint, uh, welcome to the show. Nick, how are you doing? Great. How are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. So uh, I'm sure no one knows what your name is. And I apologize for being... I don't know the right term there. an asshole, maybe. But uh, <laughs> you, you come from... Uh, you know, Let's not tell them the brand. Let's just tell them the story. And then we'll tell them the brand at the end. How's that sound? Yeah. Let's just jump right into it, man. Yeah, when you reached out, it was, it was very unique, and I actually liked the approach. So you're going on three years or so, is that right? Uh, yeah. So for the owning this company, about two and a half years, and at the start of 2020, it officially became my full time job. Awesome, awesome. So let's talk about. Uh, so you you bought this business. That's something unique that a lot of our listeners don't really do. Most of them are uh, they're they're building it themselves. So you actually bought this. Yep. I had an extra year and a half at the end for uh, a little bit extra fun. Uh, and during my time at USF, I, me and a buddy started up a subscription box company. There's a lot of different supplement companies out there, different pre-workouts, proteins, things like that. And the hard thing is to do is to commit to a tub before trying it out. So we're like, maybe we can find a way to get samples out to people and customize them and then get them to come back and buy through us. So we had that business for about two years. Uh, it was just not the best business model. Uh, we weren't making any money off of it. We got up to like maybe 200 subscribers, but we're charging 10 bucks a month. So one of the companies we actually worked with was called Cocaine Fitness. And he sells cocaine pre-workout. Um, it was one of the better products I tried. So I reached out to the guy. He was based out of Washington State. And I was like, hey, so where do you get your products made? How do you think of the formulas? Things like that. It's kind of picking his brain. And he was nice enough to give me all the info. And at the end, he's like, hey, by the way, I just got a full-time job. I don't really want to do this anymore. So if you want to buy out my inventory and take over, go for it. That's awesome. So obviously, we got to say that it's just the name of the of the brand. It's not actually cocaine. Because I feel like that'd be a little more expensive. Yeah, a lot more expensive. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. How was the process of buying You know, kind of like a fledging brand? Yeah. So the price that I paid was 3000 bucks, And that was for the leftover tubs he had, for the website, for social media. He just kind of wanted to be done with it. Um, because he was doing 200 a month in sales. So it wasn't really worth them. He's probably spending more just to host a website and everything than what he was bringing in. Um, so I sent him two Venmo payments of 1500 bucks each time. <laughs> he shipped down all the products to me. I just about a week to a month of us kind of going back and forth, but transitioning, um, taking his cards and his email off of everything and transferring the passwords to myself. It was a pretty smooth process. Uh, definitely some trust involved on both ends. Transfer all the emails transfer the PayPal to my own name, my own card, things like that. Awesome. 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 So, all right. It's been a couple months. You've now got access to this website uh, and you you own this brand. So you had kind of some experience running a brand before that. It was all on my own. Uh, I funded it with my, my own account. I had a decent amount of savings built up just from working in college. So that's where that 3000 came from. And then to fund the rest of it, uh, just the, the general ongoings, I use a Chase Inc. card. 
It was like $8,000 limit, I believe. And then 18 months of 0% interest, which was pretty good to help start things. Absolutely. Yeah. You, sometimes you got to take a risk on yourself. You know, That's not financial advice, but it's just if that's the path you got to take, you know, there's, there's a lot of options to finance these things. Yeah, definitely. I, I just think it's crazy. I bet you a lot of our listeners are going to be like, Whoa, like they bought, you bought an established brand for $3,000. One, you know, they might be thinking that's a steal. Uh, but then two, some might be like, "Oh wait, like how do I spend three thousand dollars to get started like buying a brand like what you have?" And I guess what I want to actually get at here is that like probably no one else is going to be able to find a deal like you found, mostly just because you know you got lucky and you found someone that like wanted to sell and they were on their way out. Um, I think anyone that's like out there advertising a three thousand dollars brand might be. Uh, I see it all, all the time online where people are like three thousand dollars for like we've already found your your niche. We found a uh, we made you a Shopify store. Blah blah blah. I would probably argue to stay away from stuff like that. Would you agree? Yeah, there's different brokerage sites out there for people selling their businesses, and they'll they'll probably cost more than three thousand dollars. But at the same time, remember this guy was doing two hundred bucks a month, uh, so he's maybe even breaking even or losing money on it. So he just kind of wanted to get out. But if you can find one of those websites that like a brokerage to sell your business on, offer you their financial history so you can kind of look into it yourself. But it is hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going through a brokerage and we've had some guests on here talking about brokerages before, like those are, that's like a way more legit route. It's just, I like, you know, I personally myself have been targeted by kind of some subpar ads that speak to, uh, you know, $1,000, $500. Hell, it's been down to like 25 bucks. Like, <laughs> we'll get you a Shopify store with products that's ready to go. Like, that is not the route to go, which kind of moves into our, our next topic of you kind of need to know a little about a lot to, to get stuff started, don't you think? Yeah. The way I word it for being an entrepreneur or business owner, you basically have to be like, 75% good at everything. You have to be decent at financing, marketing, uh, building a website, doing design, things like that. And then eventually you're going to hire people who are way better than you at that specific area. But you have to be very broad in general with your skill set. Absolutely. So let's talk about... Uh, you know, This is the hook that got me here is that you... Over the last 2 years, you've taken this business now from 200 bucks a month. And now what are you guys averaging? 20 to 30,000 a month. Last year, we did a little over $250,000. Awesome. So you took it from roughly 12,000 to a quarter million in two years. That's some great trajectory. Everyone's going to be asking in the comments, how'd you do it if I didn't ask? So, you know, how'd you do it? Yeah. So when you're starting up, one of the hardest things is you're strapped for cash. So I would recommend everyone get your pens and pencils out, get some paper ready because I have a lot of different ways that you can either have a super cheap way to help your business or for free. All right. I got my pencil. Let's go. All right. Perfect. So We'll start off with just something simple like you're packaging up your orders. I buy blank boxes. I was originally doing it on Amazon for a little less than 50 cents a box. I found a local company who could do it a little bit cheaper, but you can get them off Amazon. You can get as low as 25 at a time. Instead of having a custom printed box, I bought a rubber stamper and I still do uh, off rubberstamper.com, I think is the site. And I have an ink pad. So for 20 bucks, I'm customizing each box and I think it looks very professional. Awesome. So what's the savings on that compared to getting a custom-made box? So the, the custom full print ones were about $3 a box was the cheapest I could find, um, at least for a 500 to 1,000 quantities. And here I'm buying a 50 cents box and all it takes is my time to stamp it. The stamp costs like 20 bucks and the ink pad costs maybe 10 yeah, so you're you're upping your unboxing, you're building a little bit of brand equity into that if it looks just a little bit better, if it seems like the effort is a little bit better, 
you know, it's the perceived value along with it. So, you know, it's it's just a culmination of little things like that that really help grow it. All right. So you're making sexy boxes. What else? What else can I do? So even more for the unpackaging, uh, some other cheap things. Tissue paper is a good one. Just give them a little bit more to touch and feel when they open it. You can get some custom-made stickers. And then for these, I don't recommend just putting your brand on there, your logo. I like to give them just a really neat and cool design for them. Uh, so it's not just, hey, here, put my logo on all your stuff. It's just something cool they want to rep. Someone might ask them about it. If they do, that's awesome. And the last thing I also throw in those boxes is just thank you cards. Handwritten thank you cards. It's one of the best things you can do. I get so many emails and responses and DMs about this. People love putting up on their Instagram stories and tagging us. So adding those four things is going to make your unboxing experience way better. Yeah, that's amazing advice right there. I think that a lot of brands, they want to scale in a almost backwards way. That's the part of it that they don't like. The part that they like is like the marketing or the like the honestly, it's the sales or is what gets them interested in it. But I, I, I love your approach here. It's like I like I gotta upgrade my unboxing and my product and my experience to help retain these customers. And now are you still doing that to this day? Yeah, I still do that to this day and switch up monthly or bi-monthly, whatever it might be. So uh, the stamp for the January this year was have a great year or have a good start to the new year kind of thing. And so it's extra customized then. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I think what I was getting at a little bit earlier was people are... That's like the first thing that they're looking to outsource is they try to find a, a vendor that will do that for them, i.e. like a pick and pack fulfillment warehouse because they don't like doing that stuff. And I would argue that you keeping that in-house has helped grow the business. Yeah. No one's going to care for your customer and care for your products as much as you are. And when you're starting up, usually you have more time than money. That is 100% true. All right. So beyond packaging, what are some other ways that we can uh, grow the business for free or cheap? Uh, here are some of the apps I use. I use Shopify. Uh, so I'll just kind of run through a list of some of the, the cheap and free ones that I use on Shopify. One good one is called Grapevine. It's a post-purchase survey. So after they complete the order on your website, uh, it gives them an option and you can customize this. You can say, where did you find out about us? And then I put up one last month just for fun saying, what's your favorite cheat meal? I have picked between like pizza, hamburgers, things like that. So just a little bit more of a customer experience. You can either use it to get knowledge, like what source did they come from? What flavors they want to see in the future? Or just make it fun, like tell us your favorite joke because there's the right option. On your website, you definitely need to be using something for pop-ups. That's one thing I regret in the beginning. I wasn't collecting emails and information from my customers. So now I use Just Uno pop-ups for that. It's a small monthly fee. But you're collecting all this, this data and these potential and customers for the future. Clavio, uh, I believe every single e-commerce person will recommend that uh, platform to you. This one is not cheap or free. Um, the lowest cost is around 50 bucks a month, I think. But it prints money once you get things up and running on it. Yeah, I think if you've listened to more than three of these podcasts, uh, Clavio comes up in all of them. <laughs> yeah, and the segmentation and flows, once you get a decent understanding on those, it's it's crazy what it can do for you. Is there any other apps that you want to recommend? Yeah, uh, you should be using something to upsell people on your website or cross-sell. The one I use is called Bold. There's plenty of other ones out there though. So that's when they add a product to your cart, they throw something on top of it if they'd like. The end during checkout, it can throw in one last item to their cart if they'd like. So let's say they purchase a pre-workout, it might pop up saying, hey, do you want this BCAA too? And then at checkout, it could say, hey, how about we throw in a shirt for half off for your order? Absolutely. You got to try to get that customer when they're in that buying mindset. Yep. And then the, the last few I'll run through, uh, Push Owls, a new one I started using. So the small notifications you see when it pops up on, like when you go to your browser and it's a notification from a website, that's called Push Owl. It's free. People opt in and then you can send it out as a campaign. 
I also recommend using as many payment processes to make it easy for your customer. People have different ways for paying for things. Some people want to do a payment plan with something like Sezzle or Afterpay. Some people want to use Amazon Pay. Some people prefer PayPal. Some people just want to put in their credit card via Stripe. You don't need 100 payment processors, but maybe like three to four different ones through Shopify. Just give your customer options because say I only have a PayPal account and I don't want to put in my credit card number on your website. Just give them that option. So the less friction at checkout, the better for you. Yeah, and you got to think that you know a majority of these people are shopping on their cell phone, and the you know the Google pays, the Apple pays, the Amazon pays, the PayPal's like they got those one-click checkouts that make it easier for me on my phone to buy this thing when it's top of mind. Whereas pulling out my credit card in public, you know, I might be doing something like that's not something I what I want to do, and you might you might have accidentally just lost a sale. Yeah, and the last one I'll say is you should have. The last two actually would be you need some way to collect these reviews on your website because people look at reviews when they're making a purchase. Again, there's a lot of different apps for this. A nice, easy, free, simple one is just the Shopify reviews option. And the last one you should have is some way for customers to directly chat with you. Give them a an instant chat option because if they have a question right then, they don't want to have to submit an email and wait for a response. They want that that quick response, and that could be the difference between getting a sale or not. And and what was and what was that app again? The app is called Tidio, T I D I O. But again, there's a lot out there. Absolutely, yeah. That's a that's a fantastic list uh, of applications to use on the cheap side. I feel like, uh, and you know what, I probably apologize about this too. Is I oftentimes recommend the best software or solution for things, uh, which is usually when you're past that kind of scaling momentum of like getting. There's a big difference between a store doing $1,000 a month and a store doing $10,000, $20,000 a month. There's a completely big difference there. So I really appreciate you sharing with me some of the more budget-friendly apps that still solve these problems in a great way. Yeah, because if you're not careful, I mean, the cost of apps will add up pretty quickly. I mean, just because Shopify, it says it's an all-inclusive platform, but there's a lot of functionalities that the basic Shopify plan doesn't get for you. Um, so you start adding an app or two, and eventually you're spending... 600 or 1000 bucks a month. So just starting off with some of these nice, easy, free ones is a great way to get things going. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just the power of Shopify's marketing that it's going to solve all this stuff for you. And Shopify sells stuff online very well. Everything else, every other feature or function is usually a third-party app or some custom development. Yep. A la carte and you're paying for it. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So let's transition a bit from... Kind of like the secret sauce of the the tools, which obviously tools can only help. They're not going to get you sales. Uh, what were some of the tactics that you were using on like kind of the marketing front to help you know bring a new business or retain old business? Yeah, well, social media is always big for me. I mostly focus on Instagram. I prefer that over Facebook, uh, just because I feel like I get more of an organic reach. A few good tips for managing your social media marketing uh, would be you want you want to have a decent balance over those platforms. I know I said that I prefer Instagram over Facebook, but I'll still make Facebook posts because some of my customers, they don't use Instagram. They just follow us on Facebook. So finding a way to balance different platforms. Um, what I actually do each week is I'll lay out a, a little bit of a calendar template. I'll say I want to make at least 4 Instagram posts this week, 2 Facebooks, a content email, a sale email. And I'll look at my week and see where can I fit each of those in. So it's nice and spread out over that week across different platforms. Now, are you using any sort of software to uh, schedule this stuff out and maintain it? I don't actually yet. I've been looking into it, but I still just post myself each day. I'll click on my insights on Instagram, see when it's going to be most active for that day, and then do the post myself. Because it also, it's a good way for me to hop on and respond to comments, respond to DMs, things like that. So 
I feel like if I was scheduling these out in advance, I wouldn't be hopping on Instagram myself as much. So I wouldn't be applying to people. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a double-edged sword. It's just we personally uh, here, we use Buffer to schedule things out through all of the different platforms that we are pushing out this podcast on e-commerce. Uh, but actually, more recently, uh, we've been using Buffer and a tool called Bulkly. And with Bulkly, you can upload CSVs of your content, what you want to say into Bulkly. And then you can use that to push it towards the platform. So essentially, with a CSV, you can knock this stuff out way faster and you've got all your old content you can implement into a CSV. So you can essentially schedule out months worth of content within you know a matter of a half hour. And that was a uh, buffer and bulkly were the two you mentioned? Yeah. So we used Hootsuite for a while and then buffered honestly it's a way better deal. I want to say we're paying around 12 bucks a month, but we might actually need to be upgrade because if anyone listening has noticed, we now have an Instagram that has no followers and uh, the Twitter is about to start getting rolling again. Uh, we've kind of moved the agency away from Honesty Commerce. They have two different goals. So now we have double the socials. Really fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Buffer is the one that we use. That's like the scheduling software that integrates with all of the platforms out there, the LinkedIn's, the Facebook's, and all that jazz. And then uh, Bulkly is the one that integrates with Buffer. It's like, like it only works with Buffer, but it it gives you the capability of uploading CSVs to essentially just bulk automate this stuff. You can set it to drip out this stuff over time. So if you've got a backlog of content, if you just spend the time to make a CSV... So we're talking about a spreadsheet here. You can do this in Google Sheets. Uh, if you spend the time to do that, you can drip that stuff out daily or hourly or whatever cadence that you want over time. You can automate it and you can recycle that stuff, which is amazing. Yeah, it's very helpful when you can get multiple pieces of content out of one original piece. Like uh, I just started up my YouTube this year. So we'll get together with my videographer, we'll film for a day, get about a 10 to 15 minute clip. And then from that, I'm pulling two to three 20 to 30 second clips to post on Instagram throughout the week and even some photos too. So if you take one piece of content, do the work on that and then repurpose it a few times, it's just more bang for your buck. Absolutely. And then I think the one thing that most people miss here, and this is key. I'll even admit that we were bad at doing this for a while is you'll spend all the time producing that cool piece of content and you'll post it once. Yep. <laughs> Literally a a third, not a third. Great. If a third of the people saw the content that'd be amazing. You know, you know who's actually seeing it? Maybe like 3% of the people. You need to be posting that stuff more than once. You need to keep recycling it. If it's good content, people aren't going to care that you're posting it multiple times. So like the thing about content marketing, it's like the first part is producing the content and then the second part is you still got to market that stuff. So you need to put it out there. So yeah, like posting it once, like once and one and done, like is you just it's like a waste of that content. Like you should be reposting it, you know, a couple more times to try to get more eyes on it. Especially if you think about it, like if you're doing your job the right way with producing this content for whatever brand, like you're gonna have new people that are in the funnel and they wouldn't have seen any of that old stuff. So when you're posting that, they're actually excited about it. Let's be honest today. All of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rothy's. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S 
dot l-i-n-k slash h-o-n-e-s-t to get your second month free yeah and again you can find different ways to drive them to that original piece so let's say it's a a 10-minute video about me talking about the diet i follow i can post a little snippet of that from the video i can post a picture of a meal two days later i can post a picture of me working out and mention it in the caption so it's finding different small ways to drive that original piece you spent so much time on just because if people are seeing the same thing twice you're not showing the exact same picture or header. So again, a little bit of variation there. Absolutely. So let's move on a bit from the social stuff. I think we both learned some cool stuff out of that. Uh, What else are you doing? Yeah. So let's talk about some ways that they can learn for free. Because I mean, the biggest part of starting out is learning what you should be doing and how you should be doing it. So here's some of the sources that I still use to this day to learn. Uh, One of them is Facebook groups. It's great because there's a few different ones out there. Some focus on marketing, some focus on WooCommerce, some focus on social media strategies for e-commerce. So just kind of hop onto that Facebook page and go to the search bar, type in a few keywords that you're interested in. Could be e-commerce, could be email marketing, could be said social media growth. And just hop into a few of those Facebook groups and then be consistent in them, read the posts, respond to them. That's a great way to learn because there's a, a huge spread of people in there. A lot are just starting out and some are more advanced and they're giving you advice. So take that free advice from those Facebook groups. Absolutely. I think that's the usually a way that people are kind of shooting themselves in their own foot is they will attempt to hire somebody before they even understand it. And it's a good way to get scammed or you know, just not scammed per se, but maybe something one or two degrees off from that. <laughs> just it's not a good value. Uh, when you understand what you're hiring for, then you can understand kind of what the expectations should be. So when you've done it yourself in the past, you have some expectations in reality. So let's say email marketing, for example. Say I hire an agency, I'm a new company, I hire an agency, and they're not getting me $10,000 a month in sales. And then as the person who hired them, I might be upset over that because I set that unrealistic expectation in my head versus if I've been doing the email marketing myself and I got decent at it, I started to get some traction, I kind of know what results I can expect and then transfer that over to the agency when I feel it's an appropriate time. Yeah. And then you're just like, well, this is what I can do. And then you also need to think about like also my time being involved in that particular thing. <laughs> like, so your time, like, I think people often overlook the opportunity cost of them doing an action versus having someone else do an action. So you got always got to weigh that in with like hiring either a contractor or an outsourcer or like an agency consultant, whatever. Like, you always need to weigh that in and be like, is your time best served doing that task? Or can someone get you pretty close and your time can be spent? elsewhere doing something that's going to help benefit something that you're objectively better at. Yeah, a good way to put it is, are you doing $10 an hour work or are you doing $100 an hour work for your company? I would say $1,000 an hour is what a CEO should be doing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so some other ways that you can learn. Klaviyo, the platform I mentioned earlier for email marketing, they have a pretty cool series called Ready, Set, Grow. Uh, it's a, a video segments that will focus on one company for about two to three segments of about five minutes each. And you're seeing what these companies are doing in general, and also with email marketing and how you can implement that in your own company. And what's interesting is they're, they're well-known brands. So you can go check out their website and you can go watch them talk about how they built that platform. Oh, absolutely. And then Clavio's also got an amazing uh, like just tutorial based on their website as well. Like You should be able to learn a lot about Clavio just from their website. The one thing that I'd feel like they kind of don't do a good job of explaining is the thought process behind the tactics or strategies within uh, kind of what you're writing there. And a book I would recommend to kind of learn a bit more about email marketing, um, surprisingly enough, is from Russell Brunson, uh, the guy behind ClickFunnels. He is a psychopath when it comes to marketing. <laughs> uh, but Dotcom Secret does a good job of explaining how to write 
emails that you know your customers will probably find valuable. One of the first courses I ever paid for an email marketing course. Uh, it was recommended from a few other owners, and after that, I'm looking at my segments way differently now. I definitely wasn't doing enough segmentation in the beginning. So, for example, uh, Clavio lets you break it down. So, someone who has received ten emails, opened five, and never made a purchase. So, they're obviously very interested in your brand, but why haven't they made that purchase? So, you can break off that segment and even send them a hefty discount for their first order. You don't want to send that out to all your customers because they're already paying basically regular price. But to get that first few customers in the door, um, you can send out a discount to that segment. Or another one I do is I even consult some of my repeat customers for just ideas for the company. So last night, I sent out an email to customers who replaced over 5 orders with us saying, out of these 4 flavors, which one would you like to see next? Because I value their opinion because they've been customers for a long time. They understand the brands. So you don't want to be sending the same email to your whole email list. You want to break that down. And I've definitely started doing that a lot deeper recently. Oh, yeah. I mean, any sort of segmentation... I mean, obviously, you can set up the automations to really hit people where they're at in their customer journey. But like, when you can get more granular than that, your customers will appreciate those emails more, uh, and they'll respond. Your open rates are higher. You know, all everything just better. Um, have you been playing around with any of the n- more modern marketing tactics? Like, obviously, you're using push notifications. How's that been working out for you? I started building that list up a few months ago. I'm up to about 200. I'm getting about on that. So better than my email open rate, which is about 20 to 30% on a regular basis. Have you been uh, looking into SMS? I know SMS is huge these days. Uh, I've used... Uh, I believe it was called Sim- Simple Textedly or something like that uh, to send out the text messages. But I just started transferring that over to Klaviyo because they offer an option to build that into your flows. So what you can do is when they make a purchase through your website, it can send them an email saying, thank you for your order. And then two days later, it can send them a text. So just different ways to hit them. So I am using it. I'm transferring it over at the moment. But again, I'm getting pretty good open rates with that. One nice thing is your open rate isn't affected to the other users. So for email, if you send out an email and no one opens it, that makes your deliverability go down and your email is going to get to less people. But that's not the case with SMS. So you can blast out an SMS. If it, a few people unsubscribe, it won't hurt you. And then I also started using something called Postpilot as well to send out postcards to customers. Ooh, tell me more about that. This isn't a cheap or free one. It's about 50 to 75 cents per card. Uh, and I did my first campaign back in Christmas. I sent out a fun Christmas card, me and my dog with some products, uh, and just threw a discount code on the back. And it's cool because you import a list, uh, so about 2,000 customers or whatever it may be. You design the postcard and it'll go ahead and print it and send it to each one. So it's a really easy and quick process. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm going to probably pitch that to some of our clients this week just as a fun project to do. Have you ever heard of uh, Drew Sanaki with Nerd Marketing? I have not. I've heard of Nerd Marketing. Okay, so he's the owner of that. He actually bought Postpilot and took it over a few months ago. Absolutely. And now, are there any other tactics that you're using to kind of help scale this business? I mean, the growth, you know, you're at 10 to 12x growth is over two years. Like, that's nothing to shake a stick at. So, what else were you doing? I mean, customer service is a huge part of it. The golden rule back to elementary school treat others how you would like to be treated. So, uh, whenever I'm talking to a customer uh, via email or even on the messaging on the website, my kind of little trick in my head is you know, the show Undercover Boss? Yep. I always pretend like, that it's an undercover boss trying to trick me somehow, this customer. So someone says, Hey, uh, I didn't get this with my order. I try to think of it. If that was my boss, how would I respond to them? So I go above and beyond for every customer. And I'm also as fast as possible when responding. Um, because again, your response time 
it matters to these customers. You just it's easy to look at them as a whole, just your customer base, but they're they're individual people behind these purchases and behind action. They took the time to send you an email. So as fast as you can respond is always better. And then another thing I'll do for my website, my emails, every way I react to my customers is always try to be personal with it and throw in a little humor too, because there's one quote I remember it said, no one ever remembers how professional you were. They remember your personality and what you brought to them, the brands. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think that you can be professional, but you can also be personable at the same time. You don't need to be stiff. Exactly. Again, people are going to remember these these funny the puns you put in there. Maybe it's a like for example, I had a t-shirt launch. Instead of just posting pictures of the shirt, I put the shirt on my dog and I put that up, saying, "This is our new clothing. Come check it out." People loved it. Absolutely. Now, is there anything else that uh, you know I forgot to ask you today that you think would be valuable to share? If you're younger, especially, just start to work right now doing anything, any kind of part-time job. I know in high school and in college, I wasted way too much time doing nothing. Um, You don't have to be diving into e-commerce, but as long as you're having a job banking away money, you'll have that money on hand for whenever opportunity does present itself in the future. And then on the other side of that, start tracking your expenses too, just for your personal life. Because if you can spend less money, it's a lot easier to make e-commerce your full-time job when you're spending... $2,500 2500 a month on your expenses versus spending 5000 a month. So definitely starting to save up that money. Live a easy, maybe lifestyle. You don't need a brand new car. Buy one a few years old. You don't need the nicest house you can afford. Get something a little bit cheaper that you can rent. Yeah, I think uh, that's often something that people overlook is you know your lifestyle can change, but does it need to change uh, when you're either starting out or you know when you have found a little bit of success? You know, just think about how many career athletes you hear about that are broke when it's all said and done. Yeah, exactly. And then another thing you can do is uh, start setting up like a daily task list and schedule. I still do this every day. I use the bullet journal for it. Uh, so every day when I come to the office, I look from yesterday, what did I not get to? And that's the first priority. And then kind of start to look over what needs to be done today and write that out because it's easy to let days slip away from you, especially if you're working at the same time, a full-time job. In the afternoon, you might not remember the ideas you had in the morning. So if you're writing all that down, you can kind of assess how much progress you got that day. You're not just like, oh yeah, I think I did a decent amount of work. I can go home. So have a task list and set up that schedule for yourself. I think that's great advice. I think the last bit of advice I'll drop on them would be to start building your personal brand as well. Um, just because whatever you go to in the future, some kind of following already for. Um, so let's say you own a skateboard company today and then you sell that. Um, are you going to go on to something else? You want to have that personal backing of your friends and followers behind you. So Definitely branch out onto different different platforms. Uh, start making posts on Instagram or stories a little bit behind the scenes. So people start to associate you with e-commerce and business. Uh, hop on TikTok. See how that goes. Start up a YouTube channel. Just build up that personal brand across these websites so you have a nice backing no matter whatever you end up going into. Be a guest on podcast, right? Exactly. I think that's something that a lot of founders don't realize is so important is people want to do business with people. And the brands that are successful, their founders are the face and they're out there doing the marketing, they're out there doing the content, they're out there producing stuff for people to enjoy. And if you take a look at the brands that aren't making it, you might not even know about them yet because there's no reason to know about it. Like stuff doesn't happen overnight for no reason. Like there's a reason that this stuff happens. And it's usually because of just the effort that's put in from the founder on the marketing side of things. Or maybe there's someone like in the leadership team that's super charismatic that's doing this stuff. Like people want to do business with people and those businesses are the ones that are winning. Yeah. For the first probably year and a half, I definitely didn't do this well enough. I kind of would post pictures of the tubs or things like that. And now I'm 
incorporating a lot of my own personality into there. Like I'll send an email from Nick at Pure Cut Subs. Uh, people start to get to know me and they want to see me and the company succeed. And they're used to talking to someone instead of this nameless corporation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's insane because I feel like once people start shifting, I, even like if you're looking at your Instagram feed, if you just see like a product, you're not going to stop. But when you see a face, it's human psychology. Like you'll stop on a face, but you won't on like something else. It's just wired into our lizard brains. So it like even goes beyond that. Like you would rather hear a familiar face talk about something like a brand you're familiar with versus kind of like a no name. Yeah. Or not even no name or just like a, just a voice over a picture. Like that's not really that cool. Yeah, that's why these big brands hire famous actors and celebrities to come rep their products because you see that face, you want that product. Absolutely. And then, you know, probably at this stage, you can't afford an influencer of that level. <laughs> so, just unfortunately, you just became your biggest influencer for your product. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Nick, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, no problem. And thanks for having me. You're welcome. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.